0: Entrepreneurship was a necessity. It, it was a necessity. It wasn't sexy. It wasn't something that they they had no choice because we weren't gonna be able to have like that was the only way to the American dream for my family. And so having a strong work work ethic, I learned early on that no job ever is too big or too small. And I saw my parents do it all. Like they were never afraid of working hard. It was so inspiring. Hi, I'm Sanira. And I'm a mom of two, a daughter of an immigrant and an unlikely entrepreneur who went from scaling an idea to a nine figure business. Along the way, I learned that less than 2% of female founders ever hit a million in revenue. And I'm on a mission to change that because we should all feel empowered enough to run our lives like we're the CEO. Since I never went to CEO school, I've had to learn it all the hard way. Now I'm sharing it all with you so that you can join us as we discuss the mindset, money and marketing secrets of the women who have bet big on unconventional paths to their version of success. Grab a seat because class is officially in session. Welcome to CEO School. Welcome to CEO School. This is your host, Sanira Madani. And today I have a special episode for you that is so near and dear to my heart. And it is around why being an immigrant kid has actually made me millions in business. So let me start by telling you that as a child of immigrants and a first-generation American, I've always struggled with having two separate identities, american Sunny and Pakistani-Sanira. And growing up in a Pakistani household that was an American household, my parents both immigrated to America separately. And they have such a beautiful story. My mom immigrated here at the age of 14 and my dad at the age of 16. So they did not know each other and they met in Chicago where they first, where they both each immigrated to. But they immigrated, my dad immigrated by himself. So it's very, he was one of the, you know, the older boy in the family and coming to America was such a huge accomplishment. But his entire goal for his life was to like make money and send money back to his family, which, and to like call for the family, which kind of like, there are so many like psychological things that I can now break down about my dad and the pressures of being the eldest and, you know, having that responsibility for your family and not having like success isn't an option. Like you have to become successful. And so that's kind of that, you know, how my dad came to America And also at like such a young age as a young boy at 16 years old and, you know, just being taken out of school to just go work. And so just immense amount of pressure and independence that, you know, you have to go from being a child to a grown man. And just even talking about that out loud, just there's so many things about my family that I bet I could dissect down with you, um, for the next couple of episodes, but I'm not going to do that today, but I do want to share some background before I get into why I think that's made me super successful, and why if there's any immigrant kids out there listening, first generation or further, like how you can really leverage some of your your culture and your background to really drive effective business. And even if you have co-founders or team members, so I think this episode's still gonna be relevant for many, but I want to share with you my first story uh, here. So my dad immigrated from Karachi and landed in Chicago, stayed with an uncle got his first job in a factory. And so that's how, you know, my, my dad started. And my mom has a very different story. She came with her mother uh, and my mother, my mom is also the eldest of five and her and her sister, her two, the two eldest came to America with my grandmother, which we call her Nani. She came with Nani to America. My grandmother was actually an English teacher she was an English literature teacher in Karachi. And in the seventies, like that, you know, she was educated. So she was like one of the only women in her all of her generations to like go get an education and to not only get an education, but she wanted to become a teacher. And she wanted to become an English teacher. My grandmother loved English and everything American and everything Western. And so she got to, for her literature was like one of her favorite things. I remember growing up and literally her reading novels, like great expectations to me and just telling me like all of these, she was obsessed with American literature. And so I'm so like, it makes my heart so happy that she got to fulfill her dream of that. But she, the only way she got to do so was to become a teacher. And her struggles are so real. And I channel, like I channel my inner yes mean all the time because I cannot even imagine growing up in a society that does like, literally does not value women. And they don't have like getting a job is one thing. Like your her only job options that were considered acceptable was like being a nurse or being a school teacher. So even within that environment. So my grandmother loved English literature. She became a, a teacher and then, um, you know, had a family and all of the things, but for her coming to America and for her mission was really about her daughters. So she had three eldest daughters and then she had two younger boys. And for her, her like her whole uh, perception around America was that there's freedom for her girls in America. And she did not want to have kind of that upbringing that, that she went through and all the challenges that she went through. And she really wanted to give her daughters a better life. And so she fought to come to America and actually applied to go get a a visa on a lottery system, ended up getting the lottery and did not tell her husband that she even had applied to get it or she got a visa. The challenge in getting the visa was the fact that she could only get three tickets to the visa. So it was her and two others. And that's insane for because she had a family of five. So Who is she going to bring to America? How is this possible? How is she going to break apart her family? She went home to go convince my grandfather that this is what happened. Here's what they're doing. And they have an opportunity to come to America and that they need to go. And that she's going to be the one to take the family to America. And she's going to go herself and take her eldest two daughters, not her boys, not her husband, but her two daughters and go set up a life and then call back for her her sons and her families, which to me is like mind blowing in so many different ways. And again, I could sit here and break down my crazy family background and each of their different stories. that's so beautiful and so hard and the sacrifices that they really had to make for the betterment of the life of their children. And as a mother, I can't even imagine how you have to choose between your kids and make that decision to say here is how I'm going to make life better for all of us, and take a leap of faith in doing so. Right, having that enough willpower to say I know I can make this successful, and I'm not like this is how we're going to do it. So everybody thought she was crazy, which for her time she was. Right, like this is this is the, these are crazy moves to make, and her initially my grandfather wasn't supportive, but th- you know he got on board, and I think it takes strong men to get on board with strong women. And she came to America with my mom and my aunt, Rosie, and they landed in Chicago. And if I tell you like the story of how they got to America, they didn't know anybody. It gives me chills every time I get to hear my mom kind of share the story. And maybe I'll have her on the show here to kind of share it firsthand with all of you. But it is the ultimate sacrifice of being a woman, of being a mother, of like, really looking for the American dream and leaving so much behind for the pursuit of happiness. And these are both the stories on both my, for my mom and my dad's side. And for immigrant kids that are listening, there's so many stories out there that are part of our families that never get told. And that I encourage like us to be talking about more regularly. It's just, it's it's the ultimate sacrifice. And I'm forever and forever in in debt to my grandparents And to my parents, like to my parents for all the sacrifices that they, that they made. So my parents weren't born in America. They were, they, uh, were, they landed in Chicago and what's so beautiful about their stories. My mom was 14 years old, 15 years old. And then she met my dad at the age of 16 in like little Pakistan, little Karachi in Chicago. So Chicago is like a huge melting pot of just cultures. And and there's all these little pockets of town. So they ended up meeting as friends and fell in love and got married. And I was born in Chicago. So for those that don't know, I was actually born in Chicago. And then we moved to Dallas where my brother was born. So I'm going to pause back on the story, but I'm going to take you back to some of the lessons that I've learned. So growing up, my parents were still very tied to, obviously, like, they, half their life, they lived in a different country, spoke a different language. English was their second language. And I remember being embarrassed by my mom's accent as a kid. Like, I was always um, scared to tell people that I was Muslim or that I was Pakistani because I felt like it was so different. And I was living almost these, like, two lives as a kid. Like, when I look back at, you know you know, my psyche growing up or my memories. Like I had such a beautiful childhood. We had so much tradition and cultures and we went to mosque and all the things, although being American was also part of my day-to-day as well. But you kind of struggled. um, Like if, if there's any immigrant kids out there listening, definitely shoot me a DM. Let me know that you're listening because I know you feel this too, this like constant juxtaposition of your culture and then also being American. And this like identity crisis that you go through. And like, now that I'm older and I've been able to get, you know, like look back and have a lot of growth. It's like, man, I wish I was just proud of always being Pakistani or always being Muslim from the start. And, you know, it was something that I used to hide, but also I want to share that I, there was a point point, at some point I was hiding it because I wanted to hide it at some point because I just felt embarrassed or I was like my lunches would look different and, You know, I was busy on Friday nights because we'd go to mosques. I couldn't go to like the sports game or the football game after school. Or there were were just things that were part of my day-to-day that I was, you know, kind of personally in hiding from just because it was so different from my American friends. But I will say that September 11th really did change everything for me as a Muslim kid, like every single thing for me. And I remember being, I think we all remember where we were on September 11th. And I remember, I don't think I've ever shared the story out loud with anyone. And I remember sitting in my middle school classroom, like looking up at the teachers are turning on the TV, at, like there's like intercom messages going off and we're literally watching the news station and the horrible tragedy that took place with a terrorist attack on September 11th. And then learning that it was a Muslim terrorist attack that took place. And I remember just like dying inside and that that part of me like literally died. And I felt not only as an American, just all of the horrific things that were happening, scared, I'm a kid, like what's gonna happen? Is this gonna continue to happen in different parts of the city? What does this mean? Like you're watching literally the hardest catastrophe, like literally live, we're watching this. It was so hard, like as just a middle, school, wherever you are in your life, like that was a really hard moment in life. Like, and then I look back and I'm like, and I was Muslim. And even just saying that my heart's beating and it kind of takes me back to those several years of my life. And it was really hard. And I remember that things immediately changed for me and that there was so much racism and so much like vandalism. Like my, my dad, we had a convenience store in Texas and the things like every weekend I remember scrubbing spray paint off the side of the walls of my dad's store, just crazy racist comments, uh, you know, getting just, it was, it was so awful. Just going to the airport was never the same again. Being at school was never the same again. And I felt like an outcast. Like I literally felt like a leper in society. And I remember even going to mosque and, like literally my parents sitting me down and saying, don't tell people that you're Muslim. Just don't, just don't bring it up in conversation. Don't tell anybody you're Muslim because of what was happening in the world and how Muslims were being depicted also in the media. And that really honestly hasn't stopped for a really long time. And just growing up, like having also that added to my psyche, like when I look back, I'm like, of course, like there was one part of me that was naturally embarrassed of my mom and her accent and our culture and all this stuff, which we shouldn't be, but that was my part. And then two, having the pressures of just not being able to be yourself and hiding from your reality when you were never taught, like your religion in like what you were taught is so peaceful and like so many similarities between Christianity, Judaism, and Islam. Like we were taught to be like all of, the, all of the things that good community and religion teaches you, like that is how we grew up with those values and feeling so disconnected from everything and disconnected from what the media was portraying of the faith and of everything else. And so I wanna share this with all of you. I've never really shared it out loud. And I'll tell you the reason why I'm sharing it here shortly, but I felt like it was important for me to give you guys some context, but I was always just embarrassed. I was always scared and I never really talked about it. I even remember a couple of years ago, and I'm sharing everything on Instagram. And it's like one thing I I really didn't even talk much about was like I would show my life everywhere, but I wouldn't really show us even going, you know, to mosques as, as a family, or all of like the cultural outfits that I wear. Like I wear saris, I go to weddings. Like literally, so much. Like so there's a huge part of me that I was not sharing, and I think that as I've gotten older like further and like understood it. And after my dad passed away, I would say that that's really where things changed for me. All I crave is to be more Pakistani than ever. And I'm so proud of my culture and my heritage and the things that make me different. And I think that there's been this shift over this last, for me personally, in the last two years or 18 months, that since Black Lives Matter movement, it's actually been so incredible to see the acceptance and the talk like just the dialogue of us just being different and embracing embracing humankind i've seen a shift in media i've seen a shift in business i've seen a shift in how people are actually showing up and talking about the systematic racism that's taking place and talking about how we can be better humans be better like be better in business be better represent like have better representation for our children to show like the diversity of what America actually is. And over the last 18 months, like I really felt this shift. Like it's always been part of it. But I I will say that I do feel more included than ever. And it's allowed me to feel accepted. It's like this weight has just not fully come off. It adds a different level of responsibility um, as somebody who has a large platform to be a really strong representation of my culture and of, of my faith and of my community. And as a South Asian woman, as a Muslim woman, that adds pressures because I have a platform. But I will say that reflecting over this last year, it also has been like a really beautiful, like I feel allowed to be me and I never needed the permission. Like I never needed the permission but I feel like I've been able to talk more and more about it. And this journey has been really slow for me over this last year. And you guys have probably seen some snippets of it. and But I want to show you more. And I really want to, like, it's funny, I give all the advice of showing up authentically whole every day in business and work and in life. And there's a part of me that I left out and to no fault of my own. And I think that's where like, now I go back and I'm like, wow, like, it, it was a journey. And of course, it's been a journey for many different reasons. And so I was sitting down and I was reflecting. I had a mental health day a couple of a weeks ago, um, and it was game changer. And I had a day off where I fully just unplugged. I did nothing. And I sat with my cup of coffee and I got an opportunity to um, just reflect. And I was missing my dad. I miss him every single day. It's so hard to lose the parent, especially like it's so hard to lose anyone so close in your life. That's like an anchor. And I learned everything I know in business from my dad and all of the sacrifices that my parents made. Like they didn't go to school. They sacrificed everything to put me, and my brother to school and to get an education. I was the first person in my family to ever graduate college. First person in my family. And that's a lot of pressure as well. Like, and I understand like both my parents are actually eldest siblings and there's a weight that I felt like I never wanted to disappoint my family. Like my family means everything to me and I wanted to make them so proud, not just like a little bit proud, like so friggin' proud, so, so proud. And a lot of my fuel and my fire and my why is because of them and their sacrifices. And like, I never want that to go in vain. Like I never wanted that sacrifice to be like, I know looking down, my dad is and he's always been proud. I I just feel like, man, like I made, we made, my brother and I made our parents like so proud and all of our sacrifices and the sacrifices that like my grandparents made, my grandma made and like fighting for what she believed in. We're a hundred percent worth it because of like the impact that her legacy is now having and the impact that my dad's legacy is now having. And uh, my dad didn't have the support of his family, the opposite of it. So my I grew up in like, my dad's side of the family, there was one part of it that was like I was filled with a lot of amazing cousins. And there was one part of the family that was super supportive, but we kind of grew up a little siloed from his family as well. But my mom's family was like so intricate and like her sisters and her brothers and her her whole life is like fully integrated. And it was so special to watch. And there are values that, you know, when I was reflecting sitting down on my value system and like what's important to me and why, like I wanted to sit down and like just acknowledge the success that I've had. I don't get an opportunity to actually just sit and just say, man, you know what, Snara, like you did a good job. Like, You can pause and you can breathe and you can take credit and you can reflect and you don't have to do the next thing. And so I was reflecting on that shift and I see now that it's because of not in spite of my immigrant family values that we've actually been able to be so successful in business. And so I'm going to share, I actually wrote a post on like five of those values. And I'm going to talk through each of these values. And I think that this can be reflective of anyone who has any culture around them and, and like just embrace it, embrace your culture, embrace your authentic self. And here's the things that I've learned as an immigrant kid, that truly I can now reflect and say, this is the reason why I have a billion dollar company. And the first value is family first. And this is a value that we've obviously grown up in. And many of you guys and ladies, like all of you have like this family first mentality But something that I grew up around in an immigrant household is that our family included extended family, aunts and uncles and cousins and neighbors and non-relatives. And just everyone around is like an uncle or an aunt. Like everyone is an uncle or an aunt. Like I couldn't even call people by their first name because I was required to call them like aunt or uncle. And just treating everyone like family is so important. And this is something that's been part of our staff culture, right? Uh, Our company name used to be fat merchant prior to it being Stacks. And we used to call ourselves the fat family. Now we call ourselves the Stacks pack, but it truly is family first, like this culture. And I work with my brother. Like think about that, right? Like I literally get to work with my brother at Stacks every day. And I will tell you that this is like something that I'm missing for me. Like I love, like I love working with family and making family around me. And I will say that my team now at CEO school has also become my family. the, The women behind this team are literally my sisters. And each and every single one of you, there's like a team of seven that are now on the team. I will tell you that they are literally my family and my sisters as well. Like it is amazing to see when we... And business doesn't have to be personal, but it's so fun to do it with people that you actually care about. And just winning is so much greater and success is so much greater. So first value is family first. The second is truly maintaining an abundance mindset. And so something growing up in an immigrant household is that we didn't have much, but whatever we had, it it was it wasn't just enough, it was more than enough. Right? That's the mindset that we grew up in. And so whether we had whatever like cooking for dinner and then like family stopping by, there's like there was always food on the table, right? There was always like we were always appreciative like every single day. We would reflect on all the things that we were grateful for. And I think it's because not having it was part of something that my parents grew up, you know, not having. And so, but it never put them in a scarcity mindset. And I think that just having those conversations around dinner, having this abundance mindset, always sharing and always believing that the more that we share, the more that we receive. Like that is something that we grew up a hundred percent in. And I'm just so proud of that abundance mindset. And I will tell you that that is 100% like how I am as an adult today. And it just always feels not just enough, more than enough. And there's so much to go around. And I'm that's why I'm willing to share all the time. Like anyone who works with me closely, um, anyone who's in our programs, anyone like anyone who's around me knows that I'm like a giver. And I don't have an ask back. Like I do believe that like if I give give, give, like the universe is going to reward this, This the abundance that I give because I think there's so much to go around, and shifting that mindset. And I I never had to shift in that mindset. I've always had that mindset, and so that is number two is maintaining an abundance mindset. Um, has really driven my success in business. Uh, these are all things also that if you're not there and you think about these things, like write these things down, and they can all also be like part of your like next chapter in behavior as well, right? Um, but I I was just reflecting on like what it really took being in that household. And why Sal and I are so successful. And number three is the work ethic. Man, my parents, like, they didn't go to college, right? They didn't have the luxuries. They Entrepreneurship was a necessity. It was a necessity. It wasn't sexy. It wasn't something that they, they had no choice because we weren't going to be able to. That was the only way to the American dream for my family. And so having a strong work ethic, I learned early on that no job ever is too big or too small. And I saw my parents do it all. Like they were never afraid of working hard. It was so inspiring. And I see like, that was what I saw growing up. I saw my dad go from one business, to multiple businesses, failing in business, but always taking care of the team, always being first one in the store, always being last one out, like, and doing the jobs from like payroll to mopping the floors, to stocking shelves, to being at franchise teams, right? Like all of the things I got to see and participate in and I'm so grateful for that work ethic. And I will say that in today's world, like rest is important. And all these things are like hustle. It's not about hustle, but it really is about work ethic and check the work ethic that, like, if, like, I do believe that success comes from like those that really do are willing to put in the work. And you've heard me say this once, you're going to hear me say this again that hard work, it, like, really is the shortcut. Number three is work ethic. Number four is just respecting others. I was always raised to say, hi, hello, thank you. Hi to the janitor, hold the door open, always offer your guests a glass of water. I mean, there was a level of respect and kindness for everyone, everyone. And not only a level of respect and kindness, it was really about taking care of them and making them feel really important. Like that was a huge part of this as well. It wasn't just about like, oh yeah, I'm doing it, but truly doing it in a way that's super authentic and that can make the other person feel like like the greatest thing since sliced bread. And that was like part of like respecting others, respecting teams, respecting every job, respecting um, like knowing that somebody has a story on the other side and like not judging that was something I got to witness and watch every day and be part of. And I'm just, you know, this water thing actually really resonates. Like recently, my nanny, Paula, who's like the sweetest woman in the entire world. She's taking care of my kids. She's so incredible. Paula was telling me that before her job with, with us and our family, she had a bunch of odd jobs. She was actually our cleaning lady at the staff office. That's why I met her because she had a bunch, a bunch of other gigs, like cleaning gigs. And was actually a teacher from Argentina. So she came here and now she's cleaning, you know, houses and offices to make uh, like, she's sacrificing. She has that same, like same story as my mom, you know, she's sacrificing to be here so that her daughter can have like an education. Her daughter is in the medical industry and she wants to potentially be a nurse practitioner. She wants to get her daughter into like into a reputable college and, Uh, But her work ethic is just so beautiful. And so, you know, she became our nanny because I just loved, I enjoyed her, all her interactions in the office all the time. And when I learned that she was a school teacher, I was like, oh my God, I had no idea. And we were looking for a nanny. She came on board. And recently I was traveling with her and she was telling me that, Nara, do you know that like the last person I worked for, I would go into her house and iron and laundry and do all of the things for hours upon hours There was like eight people in that house. It was like a busy, fancy, like family in a really big house. And like, all I did was laundry for them. She was like, nobody would even talk to me not even offer me a glass of water when I was like at their house. And she's like, at your house, I get to sit at the dinner table with you. This is not about like trying to show you like, oh, like, look at me. Like, I don't want this to come across as like, I'm a good person. These are just the value systems, right? Like respecting others and like just being mindful And this is what we have as women. We have like really strong EQs. And you know, I always tell you to double down on that EQ. And when we treat humans with the dignity and the level of respect that they deserve, like I will tell you, Paula is like, goes so above and beyond like for our family. Like she is, she's everything to me. And especially the woman that's taking care of my kids when I'm not around. I mean, I was heartbroken to hear that. That's how this woman that I love so much was like treated. I just want to share that respecting others really just goes a long way. And as CEO, right, this is what this whole podcast is about, right? So as CEO, it's so important for us to carry ourselves with that level of respect because guess what happens? That permeates through your organization. So all of the things that I'm talking about are not just a reason why I'm successful. This is how my people, they look at us and they operate in this lens. It's not me. My entire staff is the kindest to Paula. She told me that literally Stacks was the best office. Like she was, we're in an office building and she's like, the people here at Stacks are, they talk to me. They like ask me how my day is when she would just come and pick up like the garbage bags, right? Like in our office a couple of times, middle day, end day. My staff and my team are a reflection of me and our values, right? Are a reflection of my brother and I. And so you as a CEO, you leave such a lasting impression and you are going to be so surprised on how actions catch on. And that's true leadership. Lastly, the fifth thing that really, I feel like when I look back at my immigrant like upbringing and how I've translated that into business is creating joy. So even though growing up, we didn't have much, it didn't mean that we didn't have fun. And we always had such a good time. And we always focused on spending quality time together. And focusing on experiences versus things. And I think maybe it's because we couldn't maybe have the things, but experiences were like always top hand. So even though we didn't have much like like vacations were like the number one thing. Like every time that we could take a break and we worked hard, but my parents knew how to like play hard too. And we would go on vacations and even if of a small vacation, so it depended on different parts of our lives, like where we were financially, but we always took the time to spend time with the family and take vacations and like do experienced things, go to concerts, like listen to really loud music. Like my dad and I did karaoke almost every single night, all of these things, like growing up, like going to restaurants, like going out to eat was an experience. And so whether it was like a hole in the wall restaurant or something fancy, like we literally did it all. And like, we didn't have a lot of savings, but I will tell you like my dad left no money in his bank account. Like he spent everything on, Yolo, living life to its fullest, and I will say that that has also translated in business in in some positive ways. So it's not about being like fiscally crazy, but it's really about creating experiences. And our culture here, and like the culture that I created at my companies, is truly based on like great experiences. And we do team dinners, and go to happy hours, and hang out, and do March Madness, like like. There's so many fun things that take place in our office, even on zoom um, it's just quirky and we have a good time and so creating joy and focusing on the experience rather than like the things we actually have no re- like we don't have a reward system like a lot of companies have like you get points and you can buy products like that's not a system we have we have like praise which is like an app like we literally praise each other and then we get to like do team things together and so now I re- when I was like reflecting back, I was like, holy shit. Like these are the reasons why I'm so successful as a CEO. And it's not in spite of, it's because of like all of the things that I grew up in in my family. And I'm so proud of it. And not surprisingly, our core values ha- are created based on it, which the three core values of Stacks is get the right stuff done. So hard work, creating joy. Again, it's creating joy. And like just the... Abundance abundance of it all, family first, having fun, experiences, and then of course one team, one dream, which is all about respecting others and just truly doing it with people that we love. And so that is what has been so mind-blowing. And I'm I wanted to share like a deeper dive into that and let me know if you guys like enjoyed today's episode and kind of getting to know my background a little bit more this is just something so special to me. And now I'm really, I'm really excited to share more and I feel I haven't given myself permission and I've never needed permission, but now I'm giving myself permission. And what I want to tell all of you guys is Ramadan Mubarak. It's Ramadan, which is a very special holy month in in the Islamic calendar across the world. Muslims celebrate this entire month and they fast. And I'm actually going to be fasting. I'm actually fasting today as well. And the fasting is not about just like the physical fasting. It's really like cleansing of your mind, body, and soul. And if you notice, I did not swear in today's episode, that was really difficult, but I'm very conscious right now. And so it's really about resetting. It's like a reset of your year and you spend the month just resetting your thoughts being really mindful about indulgences. Like food is an example of that, abstaining from things that, you know, we like that don't cause good in our lives. So for me, I'm thinking like, for me, it's like swearing and not like, I'm not drinking alcohol when I'm fasting. And so it's just like, it's just like a nice reset, but it's also about giving back, being extra abundant, you know, giving back to charity. Last night I did a really fun impromptu closet sale And ended up like raising $3,000 almost in like this like closet sale that I did yesterday. And 100% of the, and I didn't even tell the audience at first, I was just like doing the closet sale, but 100% of the proceeds went to Ukrainian families that my brother and I are supporting to help bring them to safety. And it's not that we don't do these things all year round, but it's a really good reminder to to reset. And so that is the spirit of Ramadan. I hope you guys will celebrate with me. And at the end of the month, there is a festival, uh, you know, called Eve. And it is a celebration of this fast and it's breaking of the fast for the whole month. And so I hope to share more with all of you guys. So Ramadan Kareem and Ramadan Mubarak to all my brothers and sisters out there celebrating. I feel really emotional today sharing this episode. With all of you, and I just feel so supported, and I feel so supported by just seeing representation matters so much. So for like for all of my South Asian influencers, South Asian, uh, and like um, people in the media and publicists and, and journalists, and I mean just watching what's taking place. I watched Bridgerton last weekend, and just seeing uh, you know, just the South Asian and like the, the influence, just having that, it's not about, it's like representation is so huge. And I'm just so proud to be able to, um, be a Pakistani Muslim woman. And I want to share all of the good things about my culture every day with all of you and with my girls. And I'm, you know, it's, I'm not perfect. And I know there's a lot of people that once, and there's also shame, like there's also like backlash and trolls, right? But sometimes I'll, I'll post something and I don't get it right, like fasting is supposed to fast fully sunrise to sunset. I'm fasting sunrise to sunset, but I'm not giving up water during the fast. And so that is something that I know is going to be frowned upon by some people and their interpretation of it. For me, this is, I want to like just disclaimer, for me, it's like religion is just, it's it's just, it's spiritual. It's not necessarily about the practice It's about the belief. It's about the belief in knowing that there's a higher karma out there. There's a universe out there that has power and that we entrust in that there's like things that are beyond us and that just to be like act in good faith and be a good human and to have like a connection with like the spirituality inside of us as humans, like that to me is religion. And so I don't follow things exact to practice, nor do I want to, and nor do I think that that is the way that I want to raise my children. And that's not how I was raised as a Muslim American or just a Muslim. I don't have to justify the American part. And so I do want to share that, that sometimes it is also hard to share because then people have their own interpretations and have opinions. And so um, just shout out to all of, you know, all all immigrant kids out there that share their stories, it's hard to do and I'm here with you and because of you, I feel like I've given myself permission to share mine and I hope all of you enjoyed today's episode. I had so much fun sharing this episode with you today. It would mean the world to me if you can screenshot this episode, share it on social media, tag other amazing cultured, humans, and people that you look up to in media and would love to share this message further. Leave a review, share this podcast. This is how we grow CEO School and this is how we grow this podcast that we put so much love and effort into. So it would mean the world to me if you did that And Ramadan Mubarak to all of you. And if you have any Muslim friends at work or colleagues or in your community, wish them a beautiful Ramadan as well. And I'll see you guys next week. For another amazing interview at CEO school. So don't miss it. And I just love you guys. I feel so honored and so grateful and just so blessed to be part of your story and your journey. And just thank you. Thank you. Thank you for allowing me to be me. Yeah. Hey there. If you enjoy this week's episode themes and want to go deeper into concepts on mindset, money, and marketing, Download our freebie with the five secrets that helped me scale multiple companies to seven figures and beyond. These are the exact skills that will help you get you to your next level. Find it on CEO School's bio on Instagram, at CEO School. If you loved today's episode, leave us a review. This is how we grow and reach more incredible entrepreneurs like you. Tell us what you loved about the episode, and you'll be entered to win one ticket to our Women in Business Conference this September in Orlando. I can't wait to see you.